Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Dog Pod. We have a very special episode for you today as we are celebrating the 100th birthday of our podcast. Our very first episode aired on June 24th, 2020, and a lot has happened since then, both in the dog world and at Good Dog. We appreciate all of you who have come back week after week to listen, and for those of you who are relatively new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you for listening. We hope you keep coming on and checking us out. I am Dr. Michael Delgado, the Standards and Research Lead at Good Dogs, and today I'm here with Nicole Engelman. She's Good Dogs Community Strategy Lead, who you will all recognize as the other voice of the Good Dog Pod. We thought we'd acknowledge this huge milestone of 100 episodes by going back in time and highlighting a few of our favorite episodes. So Nicole, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I mean, this is a milestone in and of itself because we get to do an episode together for the first time, which is so exciting for all of our listeners. Michael and I have been looking forward to this for so long. So this is very exciting for us. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun episode. Hopefully you'll all enjoy it. But yeah, Nicole, like, when do you like to listen to podcasts? So most mornings before I start working, I try to get out for at least an hour and I live in Manhattan. So I try to walk around New York City and I pick a podcast and I feel like it's the time when I'm like most attentive to listen to them. But that's usually my time. And then the other time of day I listen to them is definitely while I'm cooking dinner. Cooking, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's a good time while you're like chopping up vegetables. It's kind of like a mindless activity. But I love podcasts. And what is a better podcast than one about dogs like this one? Can't argue with you there. I'm kind of the same. I can't really listen to podcasts while I'm working. But like if I'm walking or ideally jogging or cooking, that's kind of when I'm checking out podcasts. So Good Dog Pod, let's dig in to our history. This is a big deal. So I think what we're going to do is we're each going to pick some of our favorite episodes. We'll talk a little bit about them. Maybe we'll play some clips, talk a little bit about what's coming in the future. So first, I'll just start by sharing some of my favorite content. As an animal behaviorist, of course, I'm naturally drawn to behavior-related content. And in particular, I've been really excited about the fear-free content we've had on the podcast. And I love the fear-free movement because it's really all about helping our pets, whether it's in the home or the veterinary clinic or with a pet sitter. It really has so much potential to improve the quality of life for all of our dogs by respecting their right to have a happy life and by doing everything we can to try to reduce stress. I mean, we can't be perfect. So we do our best in every interaction with them to make it better. And I always think about, you know, I worked at the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine before I came to Good Dog. And our motto for like everything we did when we were training vet students or handling animals was really like what went well and what we called EBY, even better yet. So what can we do better next time? And I think that's what I really love about Fear Free is just, you know, recognizing that we can always try to do better for our pets. Dr. Becker, who's the founder of Fear Free, he's sometimes referred to as America's vet. I think it's because he was on Good Morning America for many years, but he's a great guy, super funny and engaging. And he's been kind enough to be a guest on our podcast a few times now. And just two weeks ago, he spoke about how he recently traveled to the Ukrainian border to help people who are crossing the border with their pets escaping the war in Ukraine. And just an amazing story. 
I highly recommend that you listen to that episode just because it was just so moving and intense. But we've had Dr. Becker on a few months ago to talk about Fear Free. He did a webinar about Fear Free that you can check out as well. But let's listen to a short clip of Dr. Becker talking about kind of the moment he realized he had to do more. I teased Dr. Karen Overall, a board of veterinary Havis, about ruining my life because I was on Vancouver Island in Victoria. I gave the keynote one day at a, it's called the Can West Veterinary Conference. She gave the keynote the next day. She was in the front of the room supporting me the day before. So I thought I better go support her. But I was in the back of the room because one, I like to sit in the back of the room. And two, I was going to sneak out and <laughs> have a beer. And then I thought as soon as she engaged somebody, she'd never notice I was gone. But mm. she gave this unbelievable talk about fear and about emotional well-being. And it's one of those things you don't expect it changes your life. Fear Free was born in an instant in that talk. Her opening two, three sentences we spent five years developing it, working with boarded veterinary behaviorists. And when it launched in April of 2016, it was an overnight success. And here's Dr. Becker talking specifically about how Fear Free works in veterinary clinics, kind of that hands-on aspect. You think back, oh my God, restraint. Restraint was designed to protect the people. And now you have something, we call it gentle control. It's designed to protect the pet. You still get exactly the same thing. The pet is in positional compliance for a blood draw, for a radiograph, for an examination, which means, you know, they're there where you can do your job, but the outcome is totally different. In the one, the pet thinks it's fighting for its life. And in the other one, they know that we're fighting for their emotional well-being. Now, in addition to Dr. Becker, we have had Dr. Lily on the podcast, and she actually just did a webinar a few weeks ago about recognizing and addressing anxiety in our dogs. So she's also been kind of a multimodal guest, webinar and podcast. She's a veterinary behaviorist at Ohio State. And in her episode of the podcast, she talked about Fear Free, both again in the veterinary clinic and at home. And she talked a lot about how breeders can help inoculate their puppies against stress during the socialization period. So kind of recognizing how important that early life experience is. Now, did you get your family dog when they were a puppy? We did. We did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of had that opportunity to do a little training and influencing. Definitely. I mean, I always say I wish that we had the tools that Good Dog offers because we got him eight years ago now Oh wow! when he was a little puppy and he's a Havanese and he is the best dog ever. But I always say, I wish I had good dog as a resource for so many things, but definitely with training education being the main one. So I really wish I had good dog at that time, but <laughs> yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. So let's hear a clip of Dr. Lily talking about the socialization period in puppies. So socialization is probably the first period that we talk about in those instances, and that's the sensitive period in cats and dogs. And in dogs, it's from about three weeks of age to 12, 14 weeks of age. And that means that a big chunk of it happens at the breeders, which means that most owners get a third of it, maybe. And so everything we can do before that is money in the emotional bank for that reason. And part of the really important part of that, too, is that when we typically send puppies home around that eight-week weaning mark is actually the time frame that a first fear period starts inside that socialization period. And this is a time frame while as they're experiencing the world for the first time and kind of lumping things into columns. Column A, this is great. This is an opportunity. I like this. Column B, this is neutral. I don't really care about this. I can ignore it. And that should be a big 
category of lots of things, wind, leaves, you know, whatever, toilet slushing. And then there's that category C or the things that we're concerned about or potentially afraid of. And when things get placed into category C in that fear period, you're much more likely to get broad sweeping generalizations. So it's not just exactly that one person with glasses in a white coat on that one exam table in that one veterinary hospital in that one day. It's people wearing white coats in strange places are suddenly now all scary. And so anything we can do to hedge our bets against that from before those puppies go home or before those kittens go home is a good idea for their long-term welfare, as well as certainly for building resilience in those animals. And finally, kind of rounding out our fear-free content, just this past February, which was Dental Health Month, Dr. Natalie Marks was a guest on the podcast to talk about fear-free, focusing on preventative dental care with lots of tips for caring for your dog's teeth at home. If you're struggling to brush your dog's teeth, and I think a lot of dog owners do, um, then (laughs) Nicole's nodding for those you know, you can't see Nicole, but she's smiling, um, acknowledging <laughs> the struggle. So yeah, for those of you who have had challenges, I definitely recommend checking out episode 84, which was Dr. Marks talking about fear-free and dental care. So Nicole, let's change gears a little. I'd love to hear some of your picks for yeah. your favorite Good Dog Pod episodes. Definitely. And yours were great. And I know that was hard for you to narrow down because we've had so many great, not only behavior related topics, but health in general. Absolutely. Those are good picks. And I know that was a challenge for you to just pick a few. (laughs) I can definitely relate to the challenge because it was also hard for me to pick some highlight episodes, but I think these really capture what I've loved the most in our past 100 episodes. So unsurprisingly to anyone who is listening, all of my episodes that I picked really revolve around our breeder community and giving a platform to our breeders to share their voices and their unique stories and perspectives so that not just other breeders can learn from you, but just the general public can learn a little bit more about what it is to be a dog breeder. So it was really hard for me to pick my favorite episodes, but it really does all revolve around our community and just making sure that we are giving you a voice and a platform on which to share that. So every month, I've really looked forward to bringing in a new member of our community to really dig into your stories and bring our listeners into your world for even just 20 minutes. And a few that have stuck out to me is One, which I won't play favorites, but this is definitely (laughs) one of my favorites of all time. We did an episode that really focused on exactly what Good Dog does, which is connect responsible breeders with really high intent and educated puppy buyers who are looking to complete their families. So for this episode, we had one of our breeder community members, Karen Yap, who is of Autumn Harvest Dude Ranch. That's her program name. And her puppy buyer, Susan, and they talked about what it was like working together from start to finish. So from Susan connecting with her own good dog to working together even before her puppy was born. And then all of those steps that happened in between with matching Susan with a litter from the latest litter, getting Susan ready to bring home her new puppy. So it was really cool to bring the two of them on together and talk about how they went from essentially being strangers to being almost like family members. And I think it was really cool for other people to hear what a relationship working with a dog breeder is like, and just how close you become and that the dog comes into your life, but so does the breeder as well. And even though Susan brought her puppy home in December, their relationship has really extended for really forever. Karen and Susan are part of each other's lives and their bond was so 
interesting and special. And it was really nice to just be able to chat with the two of them. So we actually have a clip of Karen speaking about working with Susan and what it's really like bringing a puppy into a puppy buyer's life and just how special that is. This puppy is now a brand new family member. And like Susan said, in a very short period of time, it's like they've been there forever and you don't know how you lived without them. That for me is so fulfilling. I know what my dogs do for me. And to think that I am creating that for other people, truly, I'm jumping out of my skin to deliver that wonderful, wonderful gift of life. Another episode that I would say really sticks out to me is about health testing. So it's actually a combination of two, but they all fit into the broader umbrella of health testing and all of good dogs work to promote canine health. So the first one is about building a breeding program with health testing in mind. So we actually brought on Eve Tetzlaff, who is another member of our good breeder community. She's an Etley Booker breeder, and she's absolutely amazing. She's been with us from the beginning. And then we brought on Dr. Judy Stella from the Good Dog team as well, who I'm sure many of you recognize her name from so many of our other podcasts and webinars. So Eve actually walks us through all of the health testing that goes into maintaining a healthy program. So especially in the position of a breeder like herself who breeds rare breeds, which are Entley Bookers in her case, she has so much responsibility to make sure that she's testing them and breeding responsibly because the existence of this breed especially really depends on it. So we're going to play a clip of her talking through how important it is and why it really matters to her. I don't know if I'll go all the way to claiming to be proud to just do the health testing because I feel like that's just such a fundamental piece of being a careful breeder. But I will be proud if we can start to really move the needle and get even more health data and health testing out there to help us continue to strengthen our breed and keep our dogs healthy. And then we also chatted with Eve about Good Dog and where Good Dog really fits into the larger conversation about canine health and what we're doing to really contribute to that. So we have tools like our health toggle, which allows our breeders to show off all of the testing that they do for their dogs. And with that in mind, we're really hoping to do things like promote transparency in the dog world and encourage and teach our puppy buyers how to ask the right questions when it comes to health testing and more generally, why they should even care in the first place. I think Mm -hmm. there's so much work that we can do to continue educating puppy buyers on why this should matter to you, why sometimes working with a responsible breeder might take more time than getting a dog the fastest way possible. And Mm -hmm. we completely understand that people get really excited when they're ready to bring a puppy into their lives. But I think there's so much value in learning about what testing is And I think it also adds to a real appreciation for what breeders do. This testing in some ways is easy to do, but in a lot of ways it's not. When you think about practically speaking, getting all of these puppies to a clinic to get tested for some breeders that involves driving them for hours out of the way from their home. So it really is amazing when you think about all of the effort that goes into responsible breeding programs. So Just as like a larger sense, I think that's really what we're hoping to do. And Michael, I'm sure you can agree to that from your team also, that we're really just trying to show what health testing is and why you should care about it. 
I think one of the best things is just for people to recognize that there are health tests that are needed and required for the breed. So I think the work that Good Dog does to educate people about the health tests that are applicable to particular breeds is super. I appreciate being able to have a place to list the health tests that I've done on my dogs. Absolutely. And I think it ties into this lifelong relationship between the buyer and the breeder. You want to work with someone that cares about their dogs so much. They're really trying to do the best for their breed and elevate the breed. And also they care about what happens to their dogs in the future, which is really what I think the heart of that breeder buyer relationship is, is that the breeder cares about every single puppy and where they end up and that they have a happy life and that the buyer is happy too. So I think it's all related and it's all really symbolizes, I think, what we want to do a good dog as far as like making this relationship great and making sure that puppies are happy, people are happy. Exactly. And there was actually another interview that I did with another member of our community that especially stuck out to me about health testing, because here we are talking about either connecting with a puppy buyer and helping them bring the puppy home or incorporating health testing into like the continuation of your breeding program. But Shawnee Leyland, who I spoke to very recently, actually, we talked about selecting foundation stock for your breeding program. So she actually walked me through everything you do before you even can become a breeder and before you even start your program. It was a really amazing interview and so eye-opening. And what I love the most is that she shared that it actually took about six years to start her hamburger breeding program. I know it's crazy because she wanted to do it the right way. And I think it's such a testament to who she is as a person and a breeder that she was willing to wait six years until the right foundation stock came around to start her program in a way that was responsible and contributed to the overall health of the breed. So it was really fascinating. And she was eventually able to begin her program and have her first litter, which is so exciting. I think just hearing how long it can take people to really start a program when they're so focused on learning and doing it the right way was really eye-opening for me and I hope for our listeners. So that one really sticks out to me. And she's just, she's amazing. She is such a great member of our community. She comes to all of our virtual events. I felt like I knew her even before I spoke to her, but just learning more about her program was so great. So that would have to be, I would say one of my all-time favorites. That's amazing. I mean, I think the opportunity to connect with our community members in that way is really super fun and I think it makes life better for us too that work here, right? Like we want to have relationships with the people that we're supporting and that's just great. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to try to, you know, not every one of my picks is going to be behavior focused, but when <laughs> when I saw that Malena DiMartini had been a guest on the podcast, she was on episode 54, which was about a year ago, June 30th, 2021. She's very well renowned in the dog behavior world. So, you know, when I saw her name, I was like, yeah, like that's fantastic because she's really one of the foremost experts on separation anxiety in dogs. And certainly a lot has changed in the last two years. You know, we've been through, are still in this pretty wild pandemic that, you know, has changed a lot of people's lifestyles and how much they leave the house. And a lot of people got dogs during the pandemic. And certainly now we're seeing, you know, a lot of people have gone back to work. And how do dogs cope with that change? A lot of dogs have grown up with never being separated from their humans. And so that's a pretty different lifestyle than dogs had when I was a kid. And 
even I think before the pandemic, dogs were pretty much used to their owners leaving the house. And so the episode that Milena did was really about acclimating dogs to the changes and acknowledging that a lot of dogs are going to be okay when people go to work, leave the house, go on vacation, especially when the changes and acclimation is done slowly. But for the dogs who really have never been alone, I think most dog behavior consultants and trainers are seeing an increase in separation anxiety. So this is definitely a really important topic for puppy buyers and dog owners to be aware of. What are the signs? How can you know when it's a problem? You know, I think it's normal for anybody, dogs and humans, to be a little sad, right? When you leave your dog at home, you're like, "Mm, I'll be back, buddy. Like, you know, you feel like a little bit like you're doing something bad. I don't want to leave you. I love you. But, you know, what really matters is, you know, is your dog like, oh, you know, I'm fine. See you later. Or are they like, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. So Milena really breaks down kind of like, how do I assess this? And when is it a problem? So here are a couple clips of her talking about determining, does your dog have a problem with separation anxiety? And what is so great, and I'll tell you, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. We did not have Zoom. We did not have (laughs) standalone cameras. We did not have any of this stuff back when I started. So we're in a really nice position technologically now to be able to observe our dogs when they are alone. So set up a Zoom. There's also Skype, FaceTime, whatever. There's all sorts of ways to watch your dog. Leave for a few minutes the first time. But when I say a few minutes, I don't want to make that a hard and fast rule. The goal is to leave and observe the dog and very carefully observe that dog to see if maybe their initial reaction is to come to the door and whine a couple of times. But within a minute or two, they're like, oh, well, she's gone. I'm going to go lie down. There may be the other group that is going to start to whine. And then that whining escalates to barking and that barking escalates to howling. And then we see pacing and panting and drooling and scratching at doors and rugs and all that sort of stuff. And there's actually no need to prolong this. Like if the dog appears to be experiencing distress, then we know our answer and we can stop the assessment. When I say, hey, you know, give them 5, 10, 15 minutes. And if they're just sort of whining and walking around and you know, see if it escalates. And if it goes down, you're in good shape. But when I say, give them 5, 10, 15 minutes, and you see a dog screaming and drooling and running in all directions and jumping at windows and doors and stuff, it's time to stop. Okay. You know, there's a level of distress in these dogs that is, you can sort of tell, even for our novice guardians, I think you can sort of tell, like, this is not something that I want to let the dog continue to experience. This is far too filled with distress. And if you listen to the rest of the episode, she talks about what to do, what not to do. Should you create your dog? Should you not create your dog? So there's just tons of great advice in episode 54. So if you're coping with a dog with separation anxiety, or maybe one of your puppy buyers has let you know that their dog's having some challenges, excellent resource for them to get started and hopefully get your puppy coping with life changes. And like I said, I didn't want to just focus on behavior. So I did want to talk about I think one of our favorite regular guests, he's been on the podcast several times. He's done several webinars. Dr. Casey Carl from Paw Prince Genetics. What a nice guy. Great guy. The nicest. So nice. Really funny. He's just very engaging. Like he's really great at breaking down 
kind of complicated topics. I mean, genetics is not something that's intuitive to most of us. And so I think he's always really good at breaking down like what's the dominant form of inheritance and what's recessive and what does this mean? And he's talked on the podcast about coat colors, which I think is a hot topic. Everyone has opinions about coat colors. And of course, there are some things we should know about coat colors because there are some coat color combinations in dogs that can be dangerous. So he was on the Good Dog Pod, let's see, episode 18 to go way back in time, episode 28 and 31. So that was like a kind of a rapid fire Dr. Casey Carl podcast where he talks about common color loci. So those are the locations on the genome that control some of the dog's colors. And then he talked about modifiers such as dilutions and masking. I mean, you don't even think about like the dogs with the mask. There's a gene for that. Um, he talks about Merle. He talks about Harlequin. And we also here at Good Dog Pod, we just published a new article on coat color genetics. So I encourage everybody to go to our Good Breeder Center and go to the health tab and you can find that article. And if you're a Casey Carl fan, he's got an upcoming webinar on June 23rd, where he'll be talking about the genetics of blood disorders. So lots of Casey Carl at Good Dog. We love him. Hopefully we'll have him back on the podcast before long. I agree. I feel like he's long overdue for a podcast visit. He is one of our favorite guests. Well, in a transition to a very different topic than how much we love Dr. Carl, (laughs) an episode that I wanted to highlight that meant a lot to me. And I know it meant a lot to you too, because it was actually one of our first companion pieces that we did Mm -hmm. was about coping with the loss of a pet. And I think This touched so many of us at Good Dog on our team, so many members of our community, because it's something that people in the dog world, any dog lover, any animal lover really will inevitably deal with or know someone who's dealt with it. So we highlighted coping with the loss of a pet from two different perspectives. So I'll touch on the breeder perspective that we highlighted with Julie Walker, who is a member of our community and She was just so gracious joining us and speaking about, again, a really difficult topic, but a really important one. And Michael and I had actually been talking about covering this topic for months, I feel like, and it was never the right time and we could never find the right guests. And then all of that finally came together. And I think what we got at the end of it was really touching, but really helpful for people. So the reason we wanted to do a breeder perspective for this and really focus on that is because I think a lot of the times people don't really realize that breeders, unfortunately, at some point might go through this as well. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you do as a breeder, you can do everything right and make sure you're crossing all of your T's, dotting all of your I's and preparing for everything. But at the end of the day, you are dealing with things that are sometimes really far out of your control and You're not only dealing with your feelings when a puppy passes away or something terrible happens, you're also managing the expectations of your buyers at the same time. And it can be really difficult to prioritize yourself as a breeder and make sure that you are checking in with yourself, finding ways to cope, finding people to talk about it with. And what Julie and I talked about when she joined me on the podcast was how a lot of people historically haven't felt comfortable talking about grieving over the loss of a pet because they Mm -hmm. think people are going to think they're weird. It's not something that's a societal norm. I know Michael and I have gone back and forth about this, talking about how we both have had our own experiences with losing pets that we've loved. And we felt kind of weird grieving for a while or talking to other people about it because 
it wasn't as widely of an accepted thing. And I think a lot of that's changing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in addition to having Julie on, we had Brenda Brown, who was a pet loss grief specialist, like probably 20 years ago, that wouldn't have even existed, right? And so it does demonstrate kind of the shift in perspective and also just the recognized need for such a service. I mean, I think anybody who listened to these two episodes, if you don't feel a little bit choked up at some point, I'd be surprised because it was hard to even prepare and do those interviews, I think. And losing a pet is a pain like no other. It's a very unique pain. And I'm probably going to get a little choked up now. because Me too. Just, me too. Yeah. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really the worst. But loving a pet is the best. So when you have that love, it's just amazing. But I think we have some clips of Julie talking about some of her experiences, which, wow, I mean, to put herself in such a vulnerable position, I'm just blown away. In all my years of breeding, I've never had a letter to get Carvo till last year. And we had moved to Texas where it's more prevalent than where it is, I guess, in Colorado. And so when I lost almost a whole litter to Parvo, first thing I did was I shut down. I didn't know who to talk to about it or what to say. You know, there was a time, I guess it was when I lost my first puppy. I was so confused on what to do. Because like our adult dogs, we take them in, we put them to sleep, they cremate them, you get a little paw print. Well, my vet does a paw print. And you take that home with you and you have something memorialized. Well, when you lose a puppy in a litter, I was like, what do I do? Do I do that for every puppy? You know, what do I do? I can't believe her story and how well she articulated not only how she dealt with her puppy buyers in the situation that she dealt with losing a whole litter to Parvo, completely out of her control, so devastating. And she managed all of it beautifully with her buyers, but also herself. And she really talked about the importance of community when you're dealing with something like this. Like Michael said, it's so emotional and so raw. And I think a way to really cope with it is just by leaning on each other and talking about it. And we mentioned in our episode with Julie, there are a ton of resources out there. There's even a pet loss support hotline that's run by the veterinary school at Cornell, which is really amazing. And I think we're going to see a future where stuff like that is more common. And I think it really all starts with us talking about it like those two episodes. And I know a lot of community members reached out that they were really touched by these two episodes, whether it was learning more practical coping skills from Brenda Brown, or really just hearing a breeder be so open and honest about going through that experience like Julie. So I think it really opens a lot of conversation within our community And it's something that we're excited to keep peeling back the layers on because I think there's a lot to cover on this topic. And hopefully we really can pave the way for some new coping skills in this topic or making people just really feel less alone. So that was a huge high point for me. And I know for you too, this year was to be able to cover that. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think there's more to cover. So stay tuned. Hopefully some future episodes, we can touch on that topic again. Yeah. And in a larger sense of breeder support, there's been a lot that we've done with this podcast. I think part of this reason that the podcast even exists is supporting breeders through behavioral resources, health resources, community resources. And we do a lot with breeder advocacy that I haven't been able to touch on yet, but I really couldn't miss the opportunity to do that. 
So I think the episodes that we just mentioned, they really show how much our breeders give to our community and they make it what it is. It couldn't exist without them. It just wouldn't be good dog without them. And they're the reason why it's trustworthy and transparent and responsible and all of the things that it is and has really grown to be even in the past. You think about it in terms of like the timeline of the good dog pod, even in the past 100 episodes, our community has grown and changed so much, which is amazing. It's been really great to see. And I feel like it's a great time to highlight some episodes that show how good dog supports our community in return and gives back to them. So one huge way we do that is through breeder advocacy and support. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know that we have a team of lawyers that are always eager to help summarize and share any helpful information about proposed legislation that continuously comes up that can impact dog breeders. So some of our listeners might remember over last summer, we spent a bit of time discussing California Assembly Bill 702. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. That was a huge Mm -hmm. topic of discussion in the community. And I think it was really cool that we were able to step in and talk about how it was going to impact our breeders. And I think we always want to make sure we're equipping our breeders with the right tools and information to protect themselves and advocate for themselves and really make sure that they're being represented in all aspects of our government, all aspects of legislation, the way that they want to be. So we have a clip of Kat, who everyone probably knows here, all of our listeners talking about our stance, not just on that bill in particular, but in terms of advocating for and supporting breeders in all aspects. The unfortunate reality is the folks who are drafting and passing those regulations and legislations, they're not informed on responsible breeding practices or responsible breeders. They don't bring breeders typically, or they haven't necessarily brought them into those conversations. So the results in a lot of cases are really harmful to breeders who are engaging in responsible practices to the extent that they actually often result in kind of pushing a lot of the good breeders out of the system. And going off of that same topic of helping breeders stay protected, we've also highlighted topics of dog contracts, best practices to keep in mind before entering a contract, ins and outs of mediation in resolving issues with dogs and For those topics, we were joined by Deborah Hamilton, which is really exciting, who has a ton of experience in the legal world as it pertains to dogs and making sure that breeders are set up for success and protected. I think all that is to say, we're really excited to continue to do work like this, not just on the Good Dog Pod, but Good Dog in general, since supporting and advocating for dog breeders is really the core of everything we do. And those are just a few examples of it. But I think just being able to make sure breeders are able to protect themselves in any way possible, speak up for themselves, see themselves represented, see their stories represented, I think is something we're really moving towards. And this podcast is kind of like that perfect representation of it. It's really where we're highlighting your voices. And then we're also making sure that we're supporting them. Absolutely. And we've also been really fortunate to lean on the expertise of the veterinary community. I mean, that's another community that's really important to Good Dog. And we've had some really great episodes about dog health, in particular about reproduction. And we know that many of our listeners are probably familiar with Dr. Hutchison. We call him Hutch. (laughs) And he's a canine reproductive expert. He's very entertaining. I think we made a GIF 
out of one of his webinar video clips. So. I think he was putting on his good dog hat, which yes, he called he his thinking cap, which was pretty iconic. Was and I'm going to call it that forever now. Yeah. So he's presented, he's been on the good dog pod. He's done webinars. We're always very happy to have him. We can always rely on him to give us down to earth, common sense advice on everything related to dog breeding. So if it's got Hutch, I promise you will love it. And he was on episodes 21, 26, and 27, if you want to go back and check them out. I also want to give a shout out to Dr. Chris Zink, who is one of Good Dogs Advisors, and she's a research collaborator. So we've been working on a research project with her over the past six to eight months or so. She's been on the Good Dog Pod multiple times. She's a veterinarian who specializes in canine sports medicine, and she competes in dog sports, including agility and confirmation and rally. So she's really been able to give I think important perspectives on health and breeding, as well as competing with your dogs. If you don't know, like if you've never Googled Chris Zink, like she's so accomplished. I mean, she works at John Hopkins School of Medicine where she's a professor. She's the director of the molecular and comparative pathobiology department. I mean, she's like lots of big words, lots of big scientific papers. She's just done so much. And we've been lucky to have her talk about fitness for your dogs, rehab and recovery from injuries. She's done a lot of work on the effects of early spay-neuter. And in fact, the research project that we're doing with her is looking at reproductive status and alternatives to spay-neuter, like vasectomies and ovary sparing spays, and how they impact your dog's health. So I know we'll be talking more about that as we get our results ready for big time. And if you want to check out some of Dr. Chris Sink's podcasts, she was on episodes 6, 46, 48, 71, 72, and 74. She might be the most frequent guest on the Good Dog Pod. I'm not sure. You can tell we love Dr. Zing. We love Dr. Zing. <laughs> and I also wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Marty Greer, who's a veterinary specialist in pediatrics and reproduction. She's been a guest on the Good Dog Pod. She was a featured speaker at our 2021 Health Symposium. And you can watch her talk on our website if you're a member of our community. She's talked to Good Dog Pod about getting your bitch pregnant, what nutrients do your breeding dogs need, canine obesity, orthopedic disorders. So you can check her out on episodes 5, 9, 60, and 66. So I feel like we've really done a pretty good job at covering what's happened in the past on the Good Dog Pod. And again, 100th episode, wow, did not know if we would make it this far, but now I feel like we can keep going forever. I agree. That was like a walk down memory lane. And it's just crazy for me to think that like this podcast started the summer of 2020. And now we're heading into the summer of 2022. And we've just done so much since then. It's like hard to even think about where we've come from and like where we're going. And it's so exciting. I think 100 is just scratching the surface and just the beginning. And I think what's cool is we've covered such a variety of topics on the podcast, which I've always loved. There's so much cool stuff about the dog world. And I think it can really relate to everyone. There's always a topic that there's something for everyone. Yeah. And we have amazing guests who are interesting. So even if you think, I don't know if that topic's for me, I say listen, because you might learn something really interesting. And I don't know, I've just been really blown away by the quality of the people we're talking to and what they're doing and what they have to say. And we have lots of great content already lined up for the next several months. So I definitely don't want to miss out on the chance to give you a sneak peek at what's coming next. So coming up soon, we've got part three of our detection dog series with Dr. Mallory Deschamps, which rounded out, we did three interviews with people focused on nose work 
and dog olfaction. So we've already had Dr. Karen DiMatteo on and Fred Helfers, who's very famous in the nose work world. So check out those episodes and stay tuned for Dr. Mallory Deschamps. We have an upcoming interview with Dr. Adam Boyko from Embark, and he's going to tell us about some new research that they just published, discovering a genetic link to deafness in Rhodesian Ridgebacks. I'm very excited. We're going to have Dr. Hal Herzog on soon. He's an anthrozoologist, and he's going to speak about the cultural phenomenon of dog breed popularity. He's done some very interesting studies. I can't wait for that one. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. And we have many more episodes highlighting members of our Good Breeder community lined up, your unique stories. If you have a story to tell or you have someone that you think we might want to talk to, feel free to reach out and let us know. And then in July, we're going to be talking about disaster preparedness and teletriage. So we've got some focus on kind of emergency situations and being prepared. And in August, we're going to be talking about itchy dogs. (laughs) So I think a lot of people maybe don't think about, but it's a common issue and it can cause a lot of discomfort for dogs and a lot of expensive veterinary visits trying to figure out why your dog's itchy. So I'm excited about that. So for those of you listening, be sure to tune in, subscribe to the Good Dog Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for being part of our Good Dog community and celebrating this milestone with us. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And Michael, this was fun. We should do this again. I think we should. Yeah, (laughs) let's do it. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye.